Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right. How's everybody doing? I guess that's a acceptable summertime greeting. Hey, how about this? I need a little bit better greeting. Well, for our campuses, for, come on, let's greet everybody watching online right now, all of our locations, all of our campuses. We want to welcome you guys in. And uh, before I get into the message today, uh, man, we just want to celebrate and thank God uh, that we were able to, we have several phases of building projects out in our Dream Center uh, at the Cleveland Arms Apartments. And you guys know that area. We've been ministering there for a long, long time. And yesterday, we had the grand opening of our basketball court. Let me qualify that. Our full court NBA regulation court. And uh, it was just awesome out there. And I wanna give uh, some thanks to some people and some companies that really helped us. First of all, Duval Asphalt. They donated, they donated tens of thousands of dollars. Did you already go through the slides? Did y'all see that one of me dunking? Did y'all see that one? That's what like, like a friend of mine gave me these new Air Jordans. So I got to test them out. You know, I wasn't able to play yesterday, but I'm, I am gonna bring my game back. And um, I might not be able to shoot, but I can foul. I will foul, I will foul your behind right now. I will park myself under that basket. I will step on you, I will travel. I'll get those garbage baskets and you can't call a foul on pastor. I'm just letting you know right now. God, God won't like that. But um, we also want to thank uh, Casey Petroleum, man. They really, really helped us. And most importantly, and this is what it's all about, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and the Basketball Cop, Basketball Cop Foundation. And... Uh, just thank them for, uh, for their time and their support. And part of what we're doing out there, you know, we're, we're bridging the community there uh, between the, the neighborhood and law enforcement. And uh, we just want Jesus to have a good testimony and all that. And one of the encouraging things about the, the new basketball court is uh, before this, uh, most of our ministry and still most of our ministry is to the children uh, out there and we get some adults and some older uh, youth, you know, with some of the programs. But with this basketball court, man, we had all kind of men and dads and, and, and older youth, you know. And so we're really excited that we, we have something that we can rally that demographic to. And, uh, and next, next Sunday, um, we'll be talking about our Heart for the House initiatives and uh, we're going to be doing a ministry center out there in that area along with um, some other things. We're just really, really excited and uh, we're just grateful to God uh, for it. And I want to remind everyone that next Sunday is Father's Day. And um, 
It's gonna be, I think, the most significant and meaningful Father's Day service that we've ever had. Um, we're gonna be doing communion together as a church family. And uh, for the first time ever on a Sunday, um, since, you know, since that Passover night that was very, very powerful. And if you've been to our communion services, we've done some on uh, a, a couple of Wednesdays, uh, just very, very powerful. We know God's gonna do some great things. And men, I really need you there. Uh, not just the dads, I need, I need the men. I need the men there tomorrow. I mean, next Sunday, it's gonna be powerful. You're gonna be encouraged. How many of y'all remember that scene when all of our men came down and were filled with the Holy Spirit and turned around and prayed uh, for the congregation? So we're, we're still in that vein of getting mobilized and uh, we just thank God that our, our men are taking their place and um, we're really committed to that over this, over this summer. And um, man, Jesus, Jesus need, he needs everyone, but uh, men, he needs you. We're, we're fragmented without you. And, uh, and so just please make every effort to be here at all of our locations next Father's Day. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Are y'all ready to get in the Word? Man, my voice was doing great in the first service, and I ended up preaching long, and it, and it gave out right at the end. But the good news is I have edited my message. I've cut out about half of it. <laughs> And uh, it's going to be really, really good. I do want to say we're going to go over a lot of Scripture. And uh, these Scriptures, in fact, there's even Scriptures you won't see here. The, the expanded version of the notes for this message is available on our church app. So, uh, so don't worry about taking all the notes. It's right there on our church app. You can get that and, and download it. But uh, we're going to continue where we left off last week. And uh, we're going to talk about the Ecclesia. Uh, the church, God's called ones, God's chosen ones that are also his, his governing center on the earth. We are, we are heaven's outpost. And uh, God has called us to, to bring his heaven into this earth for his kingdom rule, for Jesus to, uh, and, and the, the kingdom of Jesus and the gospel to advance. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to lean in. We've got a lot of scriptures to go over. And uh, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to get my voice healed up. So just lean in. And even though I'm not screaming, that doesn't mean I'm not fired up. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, help us to lean in. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that we are stepping in to being your ecclesia. God, I thank you that we are stepping in into a restoration time of your church. God, I thank you that we are your church and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Real quick, I wanna pick up, pick up where I left off last week, Matthew 16, 18. Um, I want to go to 1618. You have that? No, 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 no. I want to go to the 1618 in the Aramaic. Okay, let's just skip it. There we go. It's what Jesus told Peter. He says, uh, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I shall build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand it. So this was right after Peter's revelation that Jesus was the Christ and is the Christ. Peter makes this confession. Jesus says, you know, my Father in heaven, heaven revealed this to you. He makes this confession. And then Jesus says, all right, Peter, you got the cornerstone confession. You have the foundational revelation of which all of the revelation will be built on. You have the key that will unlock all the other doors and you can be given all the other keys. And I want you to notice this and, and how this translation and how really I believe in the Aramaic and the Greek is a more accurate translation. It's not that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but I want you to see here that the church is on the offensive. That Jesus was standing in, in, Caesarea, in Philippi, Caesarea, right in front of the epicenter of Baal worship, basically Satan's ecclesia. He was on that very rock where that was, and he says, on this rock, on, the, on Satan's home turf, on his ecclesia, I'm gonna build my ecclesia. And the gates of hell pointing right there where the, where the opening in the cave was that was the supposed portal to the realm of the dead and, and Baal worship. Right there, Jesus said, and these gates, they will not be able to withstand my church, my ecclesia. Come on, church, we're on the offensive. That's very important. We're not just hanging on. And now look what he says. Uh, keep going. Look what he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want them to see the ISV in 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you prohibit on earth will have been prohibited in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will have been permitted in heaven. So once again, this was very familiar language to rabbis in this time. Once they got the mind of God on a prophecy on what the Torah said or what, whatever uh, was going on, once they got the mind of God, these terms are legal terms. And so as the nation of Israel, they would go before in governance and they would say, okay, we have the mind of God on this matter and, and we bind this, we don't allow this, but we're gonna permit this because this is what God wants for the nation, this is what God wants for the people. Does everybody see that? Okay, so here's the concept that I want to develop today, okay? That Jesus, look at this, he has given you the keys to the kingdom. And keys are only useful if they're actually used to unlock something that needs to be open, that needs to be loosed, or they're only useful if they're actually used to lock something that needs to be bound, that needs to be shut out. It's not just the apostles, it's not just the, just the prophets, it's you, he's given you the keys. He's given us the keys as the ecclesia. Now look at what he says here in Matthew 18. Look, truly I say to you, look, look everybody, look. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you, I love this, if two of you agree, look, on earth, about anything they ask, 
Aren't you glad? What, what, it, like, aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, you know, if you could get like a couple of hundred, you get like two or three hundred to come in agreement? No, what did he say? What Jesus is saying, he said, my power is so available to you. I just need a couple of people, man. I just need two of you. Man, can I, can I get two of you? Can I get two or three? If you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Look, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna unpack for you. This is just the start. And like I've been saying these last couple of weeks, it's gonna take us the rest of the summer to get all this out, to get it in order, and to get some things cleaned up. But what I'm gonna begin to show you today is how powerful agreement is, and I'm gonna show you why, to this point, the church, including our church, so much of prayer has been hit and miss. How many of you know, you, many of us have not experienced that right there. It's like, you know, sometimes you pray and bam, it happens. Sometimes you don't and it doesn't. Sometimes you agree and nothing happens. Sometimes you just like, you don't even pray and something happens that you were believing for. And, and we have this, you know, some people get healed, some people don't. And what it's done is it's developed this concept that prayer is very mysterious and God works in mysterious ways. We can just never really figure anything out. And you know, so God is sovereign. So, you know, let's just, just everything is grace and from the heart and all this kind of stuff, you know, it has its place and these are principles, but a lot of these things are metaphorical and allegorical and you know what I'm saying? You can't just, you know, you don't wanna kind of get, and we have this whole casual, everything from the heart. God's just gonna work everything out regardless of if we take responsibility or not. And I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie and I'm gonna show you how how we can get in agreement and how this scripture can come to pass every single time. And the first thing when we talk about agreement and understanding the power of agreement is understanding the power of our words and our confession. What did, remember when, when, when they were there and, and Jesus was like, who do men say that I am? Who do they say that I am? And some are saying Elijah, some are saying John the Baptist. And Jesus says, who do you say? I want it spoken. I want it spoken in the earth. I don't know. I, wanna, I don't want to know what you think. I don't want to know the attitude of your heart. I need you to speak it. I need you to say it. And what did Peter do? He said it, he spoke it, you're the Christ. Right after, as soon as Peter spoke it, right after that, bam, 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 bam. I'm gonna give you the keys. Right after that, he's transfigured on the mount. He showed Peter his confession. Right after that, he began to tell him he must go to Jerusalem and, and die and be raised from the dead. I mean, this confession set into motion all kinds of, of things in Jesus' ministry. Now watch, watch this. Our words matter 
And our words have tremendous power. And this is what I want to show to you. Remember this. How many of you are ready to get promoted? I'm talking about, watch. I'm talking about promoted spiritually. I'm talking about coming into a new level of authority. I'm talking about coming into a new level of confidence. I'm talking about coming into a new level where things in the Bible are much more clear and simple and supernatural and you have confidence and you have favor. I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about you, you, you having the force and the favor of God in your life. So if you're gonna be part of the Ecclesia, that's a decision that you need to make. Because the difference between being called and being chosen is a yes. You can be called and you know what? You can be a Christian that received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you can die and go to heaven. Or you can be a disciple and you can lay down your life for the kingdom, be part of the ecclesia and see the kingdom come. And have a life well lived and overcome. Okay, so let's look at this. Preparation, remember this, preparation is necessary for promotion. And that's what we're doing over the next few weeks here in church. We're in preparation mode. So let's talk about this. Agreement and confession. Are you guys with me? Look at these scriptures. Let's just, can two walk together unless they are agreed? There are some people, they've only taken a few steps with God because they won't get in agreement with him. They're in agreement with a lot of other things, but they can't move forward with what God has for them because they're not in agreement with him. Look at the power of agreement. Look at Deuteronomy. How could one chase a thousand? This is talking about God fighting for you and the rock defeating your enemies. Remember, when we speak of enemies, we're not talking about people, flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, uh, uh, forces of spiritual wickedness, principalities. So look, how could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000. Notice it doesn't say, and two put 2,000. Or two put 4,000. But two what? 10,000. Jesus like, man, can I get two of y'all? Can I just get two to agree? We can make a really good start there. So watch. If two or three in agreement with God have that much power, what about 10? What about 1,000? What about an entire church really coming in to Jesus's prayer that the world will know you and will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another? What if we really were like that early church where we understood we're in covenant with God and we're in covenant with one another and there can be no schisms and there can be no unforgiveness and there can be no division and there can be no inequities 
and we were going to be in agreement. If we would get in that kind of agreement, I'm telling you, the oil, the anointing that flows from the head, the head shepherd, the Lord Jesus, it would be so powerful. It would come all over his body. I'm telling you, you would take the miraculous to your job. You would take the supernatural to your school. You would have the favor of God wherever you go. You would be like Joseph. It doesn't matter where you are. Favor, it's favor finds you. Goodness and mercy follow you. Wherever you go, there you are, and there God. I wish somebody would give God a 10-second break. Because the devil's about to get exposed. But now look, we, we, have, we have our part, okay? Look at Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Watch, for by your words, you will be justified. Watch, watch, not by your heart. God knows my heart. Yes, he does. But it doesn't say by your heart. It says what? By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Peter, I know what you're thinking in your heart, but I need you to say it. I need you to speak it into the earth. Okay, I don't have time to get into the theology of the realms, okay, and realm distinction and how we used to be one way back in Genesis in the first, you know, before the flood, especially in the garden. We used to be one. Our sins separated those realms but remember, Jesus is going to return. God will establish the new heaven and the new earth and the realms and the family of God will be united once again. But it's very, very important. See, here's the thing. We're imagers of God. How did God create the universe? If you believe the Bible, he spoke. He spoke it. Jesus was the word made flesh. Yeah. God speaks things into existence. I can't explain all the stuff behind this, but here's what I know. We're created in the image of God and our words as God's imagers have tremendous power. Are you following me? Every idle word people will give account of in the day of judgment. Here's what that means. All words that have been spoken, idle words not repented of, broken promises, broken vows, things said in the flesh, all of those words, watch, they're out there. Here's the thing about words. They don't, if they're not repented of and dealt with, with the blood of Jesus, they're out there 
they're holding weight so much so that they are gonna have to be called into account. Do you see? Your words matter, okay? I'm gonna come back to this in a second. Watch this. Keep going. Look at Proverbs. A man's stomach is filled with the fruit of his mouth. Look at this. With the harvest of his lips, he is satisfied. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do we believe that? Or is this just another metaphorical, semi-allegorical principles, poetic that God speaks so we can somehow get a mental connection with what he's trying to... We've got to get out of that garbage. We have got to get out of this casual, looking at the Bible in some kind of big metaphorical, allegorical, well, this is all kind of, you know, well, he, you know, understand that, that means, you know, like confessing Jesus is the Christ, but you know, all these other things. Surely God doesn't mean every idle word. It's exactly what he means. And it's exactly why he said it. Remember this, God, time is different with God, okay? It's not, <laughs> God's all-knowing. All things will be brought in the light before him. Okay, watch this, watch this. Don't worry, look at someone near you and say, there's hope, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there, watch this. Death and life from the power of tongue, look at this. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's what this says, okay, look. The harvest of your lips, this means the words that you are speaking are sowing seed. Either good or bad, either for life or death, and you are gonna reap the harvest of your words. Remember that when I come back to this, because I'm gonna explain why so much of prayer, healing, blessing, and all that is fragmented. It's hit and miss, remember that, okay? Look, those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's what God is saying, look, if you will understand, the power of your words, guess what? You can control your blessing. You can control, you, you, wanna, you want mercy, speak mercy to somebody else. You want grace, speak grace to somebody else. You want blessing, you speak blessing to somebody else. His word is spirit, his word is life. You want, you want life, speak my word. Okay, watch this, keep going. Oh, I like this one. Look what Jesus did. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, that means it, it looked like it should have fruit, the leaves were there. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. And look at this, and he said, everybody say, he spoke. He didn't think it. He spoke it. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it. The lesson here is, I'm just saying, if Jesus is hungry and you are a fruit tree, you better have some fruit. <laughs> Jesus, this tree was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Scholars say this was late morning and Jesus hadn't had breakfast. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Some are like fascinating. So, but watch it. There, there's prophetic significance here, but I, I want you to see the other thing. So go, go a few verses later. 
So when they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you have cursed is withered. And Jesus said to, to them, look at this, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Truly, does Jesus tell the truth? Truly, I say to you, whoever, look at someone near you and say, that means you. You're a whoever. You are a whoever. We're all whoever's. Whoever says to this mountain, not a fig tree, a mountain. See, watch. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up. Now, I don't have time to. Mountains always represent government in the Bible. I'm gonna show that God came to Mount Sinai. We're gonna look at Mount Zion. Mountain, there was Mount Hermon. That's where the gates of hell were at the foothills of Mount Hermon. They always represent government. Here's what that means. That means that the government of the enemy, how he is pressing you, oppressing you, or coming against you illegally in most cases. He has no right there, he's illegitimate. He has no authority over you. Once you surrendered your life to Jesus, the blood of Jesus made you God's sacred space. He doesn't belong there. But do you know this, like in my house, if someone is robbing my house, even though it's my house and they have no right to be there and they're there illegally until I call the authorities, they can take as much as they want, even though they're there illegally. One of the challenges with the church, one of the problems is we haven't stepped up and began to call the authority to come into the authority and say, no, this is my house, this is God's house. I'm sacred space. You have no right here. You gotta go. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he what? Thinks, says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever, man, I'll tell you, when you get Jesus, just let me throw this, okay. I'm gonna get through this message. There's just so much great stuff here. You got Jesus, you throwing around words, like truly, whoever, whatever, saying this, moving mountains. You see what he's, what's going on here? I mean, he's, he's showing you, listen, that his power is not the issue. The issue is us understanding how to come into agreement and making sure that we don't have words out there, idle words, vows, inner vows, broken promises, we need to make sure we're not in agreement with other things and other words that are giving place to the enemy. Are you following me? If we can shore this up and clean this up where we're getting, listen, sin's not a problem. God can forgive sin just like that. That's not the issue. The issue is understanding these points and voices of agreement and you understanding who you are 
and what Jesus has called you to do and us to do as the ecclesia. It's our responsibility. He gave us the keys. You know how the Bible says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us? Well, if Jesus is constantly making intercession for us, then why isn't your life and my life the utopia of Christian living? Don't you think Jesus knows how to intercede? The reason why we're not experiencing what Jesus is interceding for is because we're not in agreement with his intercession because we've got in agreement with other things. We've got to undo our wrong agreements and we've got to get into the right agreement. Look, whatever, look, believe you have received it and it will be yours. How do we have that kind of confidence? I'm gonna show you, it's agreement. Look, and whatever you stand praying, here we go. Forgive if you have anything against anyone. Wow, what does unforgiveness do? Now we have come into an agreement with unforgiveness that is from the enemy that is now binding us. That's why Jesus says, man, you've got like one, it's, I'm gonna show you some other things. You've gotta forgive. If you're not forgiving, if you're not forgiving, watch, watch. I'm gonna show you this. Okay, forgive, make sure, okay, look at this. Oh man, look, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Everybody say the word of faith. The word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. So you believe in your heart, just like Peter did, right? But look at this. And with the mouth, one confesses and is what? Saved. Wholeness. Wholeness. Salvation. Wholeness in the earth is connected to your confession. You have to have a good confession that is based in the right agreement. So watch this. Revelation 12, 11. Now we're going to get into some stuff. Look at this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. It's all because of the blood of Jesus, right? The atonement, the cross, all of our sins are forgiven. He purchased, he won the legal battle for us to be blessed, for us to be saved, for us to be empowered. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And look at this. And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death, that means they truly walked in what water baptism represents, that we're not only identified with Christ, but we're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But here's what I wanna show you, watch. Look at what's in the middle. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of your testimony. This is not just how you got saved. You know, I was crazy, I was partying, I was on drugs, I got saved, that's my testimony. No, look, in these, in these coming weeks, I'm gonna show you, watch, think the word testimony. Where do you hear that word? Where do people give testimony? Court, right? So when people give testimony, let's say someone is on trial, and people give testimony, what is it? It's voices and witnesses 
that are speaking words that bring a testimony about the person on trial. Now, let me show you something. Binding and loosing, legal terms. Our heavenly father, the Bible says what? He is the judge of all the earth. Our enemy is called what? The accuser of the brethren. Jesus is, is also called what? First John 2, 1. He is our advocate. Do you see the picture that's painted here? You have a testimony that is, you have a testimony in your life that is made up of voices, follow me here, that is made up of your words, that is made up of your praise, your finances have a testimony, your good works have a testimony. Jesus says, if you even give a cup of cold water in my name, you won't lose your reward, watch. Your words have a testimony. Do you see all, all of these voices are bringing a testimony, now watch. Doesn't the Bible say in, in uh, James 4, 7, submit unto God, re resist the devil, and he'll flee from you? So watch, let me give you an example of how this works, okay? So, so let's, let me tell you how we speak words and we speak vows, uh, uh, vows and oaths and things, and we don't think they're important, but I'm telling you those words are out there. And guess who's using them for testimony? The accuser. So watch, let me, let me take a man, a couple of man issues, okay? So watch, let's say you blow up one night at your wife or your kids and you yell, you have an anger outburst and you yell and all that. And uh, you, even if you say you're sorry, man, I, I repent and you make some kind of inner vow, I'm never gonna do that again. I'm gonna be a, a better man. Or let's say that, you know, you've been struggling with a, a porn issue and you get free for a while and then you get in a moment of weakness and you get back into it and you say, no, that's the last time. I'm never, I'm never gonna do it again. I'm, I'm making a commitment, Lord. Watch this. Do you realize that you have just done exactly what Jesus told you to never do? He says, do not make an oath. Do not make a vow by anything in heaven or earth. You don't have the power to turn one of your hairs black or white. It's what Paul said in Romans, basically Romans 6 and 7, that in my flesh dwells no good thing. Things I wanna do, I don't do. Things that I, I know I shouldn't do, if I'm in my flesh, I could end up doing those things. Watch, when you make vows, I'll never do this again. I'll da, 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 I'll da, I'm gonna commit to this. When you make vows like that, look, you put yourself under the law. You make a law unto yourself, now watch. And when you get tempted again, guess what? You're tempted, where do you go to? Oh man, but I said I'd never do that again. You go to your commitment, your will, your strength, your flesh. Instead of, instead of, you know what Jesus said? He didn't say make, a, he didn't say make a, pra, a, a vow or a commitment. You know what he said? He said, watch and pray. Because the spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. So watch and pray that you don't enter in into temptation. And if you do enter into temptation, God will make a way of escape, watch. So 
I, re- I have these words, I have these vows. I've got to undo those, Lord, I repent. You've made promises to your wife, you've made promises to your friends, you've broken those and all that. Listen, Jesus fulfilled every promise that you broke, okay? He's the only one that could fulfill all the promises. You need to repent of those idle words, you need to repent of those vows, you need to come We need to undo that agreement and you need to get in another agreement. You know what that is? That is the grace and mercy of God that says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when you get tempted, you don't go to your commitment. You go to Jesus and you say, Lord, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And you say in your word that, that my flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing. Jesus, provide a way of escape. I come to your grace, Lord. Give me grace. Give me grace. Watch this. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the home. Some of you are going to get free from all kind of junk that you hadn't been able to get free of because you've got some type of unholy oath and vow. You've got some kind of agreement. You got to come out of that. Okay, watch. Oh, you getting it now, ladies. So you're married. You're praying. So here's what, so here's what the accuser does. So let's go back to the lust and anger. So you're, you're, you're tempted with lust. If you've got some kind of agreement, these words, these oaths in your own strength, there's the accuser right there saying, God, God, he's, made, he's, he's not in agreement with your grace. He's done exactly what you told him not to do. See, God's a righteous judge. He wants to render a righteous judgment, but you've given place to the enemy by getting in agreement with his lies. Let's just undo that agreement and get into agreement with God's grace and mercy. You see, then the Father, the judge of all, can render a righteous judgment. Okay, you're praying for your husband to get a promotion. But you've spoken words over him. You've told him he's never gonna do this and why can't you do that? And da 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 da. Like, you've, you have these words that have formed this agreement over your marriage. And then your husband's trying to get a promotion. And you're, you're praying for him. And the enemy's like, God. She spoke that he's never gonna get the, he's, he's not gonna do, you, her words, you, the, you've given place to the accuser. Do you see? This is how this thing works. Okay, watch. So there are these points of, of agreement. So we've gotta repent of that. We gotta repent of all words spoken against our spouses. And guess what? We're gonna get in agreement with God's word and with what he says. You follow me? Inner vows about, some of you have, vo- have verbalized how much you hate yourself. And you wonder why you, you, you keep going in this cycle of shame. We're, your words, the power of life and death is in your words. We gotta repent. We've gotta undo that agreement Come on, and we gotta get in agreement. Watch with what God says about us, with what the blood of Jesus says about us.
with what your church says about you, which is that you're just as important as every other person in this church. It's what the cross did. It's what communion's about. We're all family. We're all equal value. We've got to undo those. So watch, your finances have a testimony. So, but, but, so let's say this. Here's what happens with people. Okay, I'm tithing, but it's, it's erratic. It's fragmented. You know, sometimes I'm blessed and then sometimes I'm not. I tithe, but I just can't seem to get ahead. But are you gossiping against your boss? Tithing doesn't negate other agreements. Are you following me? Now, if you're not tithing, do you see what I'm saying? Well, then the windows of heaven aren't open. You have to get tithing into your finances. Your finances have a voice. That is part of your testimony. Or do you see what I'm saying? God wants to bless you and the, the accusers up there like, God, they don't even put you first. They don't even honor you with their finances. You were clear in your word about this. You'd like, so there's one component, but once again, that doesn't give you the right to gossip and slander your boss and bite off the hand that's feeding you. It also doesn't give you the right to mistreat employees. It also doesn't give you the right to cheat on your taxes. It also, do. so watch. Here's why things are fragmented. I'm, we're about to pray. Watch, you can die and go to heaven. It's all good. I'll see you up there. <laughs> or you know what? You can be a disciple and we can overcome together right and we can be part of what I believe is moving in to this time. This, I do, I, I do believe that we're coming into all the prophetic signs are there. There is an end time season. And here's what I know. I know the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. And I know that Jesus's prayer will be fulfilled, that the world will know uh, us, that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And I know this, I know that we'll be a, a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Once again, remember, the bride is the bride. That's not about forgiveness of sin. That's about having the right essentials where our garment, our preparation, you have to have preparation for promotion. And I know that Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Here's what I know about Jacksonville. You wanna know what another voice is? The, your finance, uh, uh, just in the, in the church, the blood of the martyrs has a voice. Did you know that Jacksonville, did you know that we were the first European settlement in North America 50 years before Jamestown? Amen. Did you know it was settled by the human, Huguenots, these fired up believers that were fleeing religious persecution from Paris and France? I'll talk about that next week. Why in the world we're in Paris? I think I have a couple of ideas. But watch this, watch this. The blood of the martyrs, the, God spoke to Cain right in the beginning. He says, the blood of your brother Abel, his blood cries out. The voice of his blood cries out to me. Let me tell you something about this region. 
and the Huguenots that came over here and Huguenot State Park and Rebalt High School and all these areas, they're named after those martyrs. Their blood was shed over here for the name of Jesus as the very first, the very first European colony fleeing religious persecution. And don't you think for a second that their blood is not crying out from the ground, that there needs to be vengeance from God on the enemy, on the principalities and powers and the spirits of false religion that murdered them and their wives and their children. Their blood crieth out. This is the first coast. We're a God first church. We're part of church of the firstborn. And I just believe that things have a way of coming back. And I believe what the devil did, God's gonna restore sevenfold here on the first coast. I'm telling you, we have the blood of the martyrs that's a voice of agreement for revival in this region in this hour okay keep going I gotta close I'm gonna close I got out a third of my message. Let me just show y'all this. Three things you need to understand. I'm just gonna go. Do you, do you, are we all good? Everyone's got it by now. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Everything's about heaven to earth. Okay, all these things. And in the future, I'll connect Ephesians 6. I'll connect Matthew 6. I'll connect Luke 18. I'll connect binding and loosing. It's all a very simple, cohesive prayer that has to do with the power of agreement. Look what he says though, in this manner therefore pray, look, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. With faith, it's very important that you understand these three components, that God the judge is your Father, amen? That's good news, isn't it? Because of the blood of Jesus, he's your Father. So you're a child of God, you're a citizen of the kingdom, you have a seat in the ecclesia, yeah? But look at the other part, he's in heaven. It's very important Jesus wanted to remind you of that. In other words, God is in the heavenly realm. He's in this other unseen realm. And, and, and look at this, and he's holy, he's other. He's not like us, he is all powerful. He's the judge of all the earth. In the, isn't that awesome? And he's our father. Part of faith is not just believing for things, okay? But Hebrews 11.1, 1, part of faith is believing in this unseen realm. It's the evidence of things not seen, okay? So look, yeah, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Look at this, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. Do I have a quote up there real quick? Look, faith is being confident in what we hope for, look, and certain of what we do not see. So let me show you a picture of the heavenly setting, okay? Go to, go to uh, Hebrews 12. Man, I'm so behind. When do y'all want me to finish? What do y'all got to do today? Can I get? Hold on, I know, I know. Here's what I'll do. Let me just, you know what I need? I need like three hours once a month 
or I can just get all this out. Let me, let me do this. Can I have seven more minutes? Seven? Can I get a witness? Is there a testimony? Some of y'all are like, you've given me like 25 scriptures. I've had enough, but let me show you this. I need you to believe this and I need you to see yourself here, okay? So our Father's in heaven. Okay, well, where, what? What does that look like when we approach God, okay? Look at this. You've come to Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He who has joined the Lord is one spirit with him. Watch, I know that we can't see it. I know that with our natural eyes and with our senses. But I'm telling you, this place is more real than this place. Do you see? Sin separated us from that spiritual sense, that, that, that dynamic. And now so much of this is appropriated by faith. However, the more faith and the more we live in this reality, that's where God, he'll give you visions. He'll give you dreams. He will, he, he reveals himself to you. But watch this. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Look, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. Innumerable. How many, of, how many angels are there? Stove all in this heaven and earth realm. How many angels? You can't count them. There's that many. There's that many divine beings that we can't see. Okay, we're gonna give you, a, I'm gonna give you a kind of a cheat sheet of divine beings when we get into unpacking the covenant so you're not confused with the devil and Satan and Lucifer and Nephilim and angels and watchers and all these different kind of things. But there's tons of these heavenly beings. And guess what? They're here to minister, many of them to minister to you. They're here to help the church. This is what the Bible says. These are God's agents. You understand when you, when like, when you, when you need something, okay, you're believing God. Like God doesn't come down from his throne in heaven and put his big finger on your head. He's sending ministering spirits to minister to you, to bring those things to you, to, to enlighten, to help, to what, whatever that thing is. Like we have to believe this. Okay, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. We're the church of the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Yes, he's our God. Yes, he's our savior, but he's also our brother. Firstborn speaks to mission. Heaven is not at rest. Jesus is not at rest. We have a job to do. Jesus is not passive. He, they're not up there in heaven sitting around a bunch of dandelions, you know, drinking whatever heavenly Kool-Aid and, 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 and lapping up in the, in the streets of gold or whatever. I'm, I'm telling you, this is where, this is what is going on in the unseen. I'm telling you what's happened. There's, there's worship and there's government being executed from the throne. There are angels ready to minister to you. There's the blood of Jesus that can wash away any sin and gives you all the power that you need. There is your father. Look at this. The judge of all. God, the righteous judges, they're ready to execute righteous judgments on your behalf if you will get into agreement with him and the blood and the church. Are you following me? You're registered in heaven. Churches are registered in heaven. 
I don't think all churches are. The ones that are birthed by the Holy Spirit, those are registered in heaven. So you know what's going on right now? Even though you can't see it, guess where we are in the heavenlies or in the realm, whatever. We're with, we're with them in some way, shape or form. I don't understand it, but I'm telling you, we have to have, we've gotta get out of this casual, leftover from the age of reason. Anything that you can't see or smell or touch is not real. What they did way back in the, I mean, even a lot of our founding fathers, man, they would, uh, who, what was his name? Jefferson, he cut all the miracles and the resurrection out of the Bible. He said, these are ridiculous. There were men who wrote, oh, we're now in the age of reason. We're in enlightenment. Let me tell you something, that is a lie. And if you get in that type of agreement, you are gonna put yourself other, under things that you can never walk into until you get into agreement with what, what the Bible presents as reality. Okay. I'm done. But not yet. I've got two minutes. So let me show you this. Put, put those on there. Just go. You can study that later. That's what's in Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. These are all the voices. These are all the things we want to get in agreement with right there. Okay? You'll notice down there, look, the accuser, your adversary. In Matthew 5, 23, it's so, so important. So let's say, You've sinned. There's the accuser saying, you sinned, you did this, you did that. You know what you need to do real quick? Get in agreement with him. You know, you're right, I, I've sinned. So now I'm gonna get in agreement with God. I'm gonna exercise 1 John chapter one. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what, devil, you're right. I did that sin and I'm not worthy of this blessing and promotion and the goodness that God has shown me, but worthy is the lamb that was slain and by his blood, by his blood, I'm worthy. Disempower him. What you can do is take his accusations the ones that are true, the ones that you know are true, agree with them, yes, yes, I sinned. I confess that to you, God. And you know what? Now what he meant for bad, God's gonna turn it into good because you got out of the unholy agreement and into the godly agreement of confession and forgiveness. So here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. Put, put that other thing up there. Come on out, Matt. Did y'all, did this help y'all today? Okay. Your confession and testimony have powerful voices. Your prayers, your confessions, your declarations. Vocal thanksgiving, adoration. Look, worship, this is very important. Acts of righteousness. Your good works, there, there's a voice there. Your tithes and offerings, your finances, they have a voice. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.